in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories I'm Heather, here with our story sommelier Christy, what have you got for us today? We got all sorts of stuff. We got we got cryptids, we got paranormal, we got hauntings, we've got true crime. There you go. A true representation of all the things we cover on the show and the uh you know, we have a whole patchwork quilt of listeners with all different kinds of experiences and we I like appreciate that analogy. Yeah, all y'all writing in and it and it's made this cozy quilt of this week's Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. Well, now that I'm reading the subject line of the first one, maybe not so cozy, but we do appreciate you sharing what has happened to you. We're here to listen to your story. Yeah, this, you know, I don't know if we all want to quilt with the subject line, naked psychopath murders man in his own backyard. But if that's what you like to snuggle up with at night, I'm not here to tell you to do otherwise. But yeah, we got a lot. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Holly, and like we said, the subject line is Naked Psychopath Murders Man in His Own Backyard. Hello, my favorite badass comedian women. This story comes from a small rural town, West Greenwich, Rhode Island. It's by no means a southern type of rural, but in comparison to the rest of Rhode Island, it's the boonies. I live about 20 minutes away in another rural town, so this story was pretty creepy and unnerving when I first heard it. Anyways, let's get into it. Christian Lepore was a 35-year-old white man and a whopping 6 foot 2, 350 pounds. On May 28, 2016, he was asked to leave his job as a cook's helper at the University of Rhode Island's W. Alton Jones campus due to, quote, erratic behavior. Coworkers later testified that he was, quote, confused, disoriented, and speaking gibberish in the hours leading up to the murder. After being dismissed, Labor abandoned his car at an intersection and started making his way through the woods, stripping his clothes off as he walked because he thought he was being followed by Black Hawk helicopters. Laporte eventually found his way into the backyard of 62-year-old John Jake O'Neill, who was working in his shed. These details might not be 100% accurate, but this is the gist that I got from the articles I read. O'Neill saw the giant naked man, who appeared agitated, and started charging at him. He picked up his cell phone and called 911 to alert officers of the situation. Tragically, Lepore got to O'Neill and began beating him with a barrel. The sound footage was captured by the 911 call and played in court. I can only imagine the horrible pain that the family endured when they heard this audio. When police arrived at the scene, Lepore was found crouching and growling over O'Neill's body. Four officers and a police dog could barely get this man to cooperate. Laporte assaulted them and the dog, and horrifyingly, seemed to enjoy it. In an article by Channel 10 WJAR, an officer on the scene said Laporte opened his mouth when sprayed with pepper spray, swished it around, and spit it out. Excuse me? They tried tasing him, striking him, and the dog even went after his face. Laporte was finally brought down, but not without inflicting assault on the officers and the dog, which he picked up in the air and choked. In the summer of 2017, 
Lepore faced trial where he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. I'm not saying that fucker got away with it, because he will be locked up forever, but I really hate the term not guilty when it comes to this low-life shitbag. Experts ruled that he was in the throes of a psychotic break at the time of the tragic incident. As sad as this story is, there is one positive thing that came out of it. O'Neill's phone call to the police saved his wife, who was inside. She struggles every day to grapple with his loss, and I can't blame her. My thoughts and empathy goes out to his family. Rhode Island is an extremely small state, so events like this don't go unnoticed. So it wasn't a personal brush with true crime, but it happened in my backyard, figuratively, and I have close friends from the surrounding area. Thanks for reading this. You guys absolutely rock. Well, thanks, Holly, for sending it. But this is a situation where, yet again, we had a whole discussion about mental health in previous episodes. And when someone doesn't get access to the care they need and then they have a break like this and tragedy happens, you know, not just for the person suffering the psychotic break, but then for all of the people that they harm that is harmed in their wake from the, you know, just being afraid for your safety. If you see a naked man barreling down the street onto the absolute worst case scenario, which is what happened here. It's uh, super sad to see how, you know, that it's not anybody's fault if they have mental health problems, but it's definitely their fault if they fail to take care of them. And it's really difficult when you have somebody in a, in a situation like this who it sounds like had that maybe the firing is what was the inciting incident, but had that situation and wasn't stopped before he did something he can't undo. Yeah, it sounds like mental health, maybe drugs are involved. Uh that many cops and a police dog and he still is not complying there's definitely a lot of stuff going on uh it's horrifying that his wife was inside and i'm sure heard and saw a lot of that his one good thing one last thing he got to do for his family was save his wife's life Mm-hmm. which it's awful he was put in that position. This is the kind of stuff we talk about. He wasn't doing anything. He was just in his backyard working in his shed. Yeah, no one thought this thing. day was going to go that way. It was wrong place, wrong time, just like the White Rock Machete murder, which kind of has a lot of the same tones of this, unchecked mental health, which eventually leads to a psychotic break and a horrifying death. Yeah, I d- definitely can see the parallels. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sending that in. This next one's a little more lighthearted. This is from Amber, and it's called The Ghost of Galveston. Hey, ladies, I've been loving your podcast ever since Christy shit herself in the Albertsons parking lot. You two keep me laughing at my desk at work every day and get me fussed at by my boss daily. So thanks for that. I just wanted to share with you a short story about the ghost of Galveston. My aunt owns two old houses in Galveston that she fixes up and rents out. One of the houses has been rented out since 2009, but the one next door to it needed so much work done that 13 years later, it still isn't livable yet. In the meantime, she lets family stay there for free when we need a weekend getaway. My cousin and I go every summer and are obsessed with trying to have a visit with a ghost of Galveston. Backstory. Galveston is the most haunted island in the U.S. The hurricane of 1900 killed between 5,000 to 6,000 people who drowned in their houses, and they didn't get proper burials. At first, they were brought out into the Gulf of Mexico and weighted down, hoping they would sink. But the bloated bodies started washing up on shore a few days later, so they were all thrown into huge burn piles for weeks until the bodies stopped washing ashore. The spirits of those people have been inhabiting the island ever since. 
My cousin and I have been on a few ghost tours and have heard the stories of a bank on the Strand that has a piano in a warehouse on the second floor. Every day, the piano starts playing, but when someone goes upstairs to check on it, it stops and there's no one around. There's another house a few blocks off of the Strand that the tenants never make it through the whole six-month lease because the ghostly children's footsteps running up and down the hallway at night and the mother ghost, who opens the closet doors and pushes the shoe rack out every morning, freaks the tenants out too much. My cousin and I were always waiting to see a ghost of our own, but all we ever caught were orbs in the videos we took on our phones. We tried to drunkenly sit in the huge, beautiful cemetery one night, but it closes at 8 and we didn't feel like being arrested. We thought we would never experience a ghost. That changed one night in the summer of 2019. It was our last night there. We had gone to Moody Gardens all day, and we were sunburnt and exhausted. My cousin got out of the shower at exactly 9 p.m., and we went to bed. She plugged her phone into the wall and threw her phone into the laundry basket that was at the foot of our bed. We turned off the lights, the room was pitch dark, and we fell asleep. The next morning, she gets her phone out of the laundry basket and there was a picture taken on her phone at 9.48 p.m., 48 minutes after we went to bed. The picture was blurry, the flash from her phone was the only light, and the pic was of the window AC unit by my cousin's head. There is no possible way the phone would have reached that far to get that pic. Needless to say, we were immediately freaked out, and also excited that we finally got our first ghostly experience. We were also disappointed that we slept through the whole thing. I'll email y'all pics so you can see how eerie it was. I hope to be able to see y'all at a live show one day, once I can afford life again. If you ever want to check out the ghost of Galveston yourselves, there are a few haunted hotels you can stay at where the doorknobs jiggle all night long. I don't know how much sleep y'all will get, though. Please keep me laughing every day and keep it creepy, Amber. Well, uh, if you don't know the context around the photo, it looks like a fairly innocuous photo. Yes. Of a window unit and uh, some like bedside table stuff, like hand lotion, looks like sun, maybe like sunscreen and a bowl, like a ceramic bowl. Maybe you could use it as like a candy dish or an ashtray or something. And then a blanket to the right. But knowing that everyone in the room was asleep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It gives um, the Lost Girls of Panama vibes. Like, who is taking this? But if you know, you were both asleep, and you can see timestamps that let you know you there was no one else there. How do you explain that? That's a definite a stomach sinking moment when you wake up in the morning and there's a photo Mm-mm. of you on your phone no. that's not like a selfie. <laughs> no, 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 terrifying. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Well, I'm glad that you all finally got your ghost. I'm sorry that you didn't see it in person. But honestly, I think that they kind of left you with a souvenir. They're like, these girls have been trying for years. <laughs> right. Here you go. Here's a pic. I'm not going to be in it. I'm going to do something it. even creepier. You're going to be in it. <laughs> right. They're like, well, you've been waiting for this souvenir. You mm-hmm. deserve it. You've earned it with your patience. You have. And now everybody gets to know about it. So thank you so much, Amber, for sending that in. This next one is from Shelby, and it is called The Woman With No Face. I was recently on a first date, and we were discussing the concept of single-use cryptids that only appear like once or so ever. He's a big last podcast on the left van, and I believe that's where that is from. When thinking about if I had ever heard of any single-use cryptids, I was suddenly overcome with a memory of something I hadn't thought about in years. 
the woman with no face. I'm sure this was a startling story to hear on a first date, but my date heard it nonetheless, and I thought I might share it with you all as well. When I was younger, my brother and I were obsessed with Gaddy Town. I'm not sure that this is something that they have everywhere, but basically, it is a wonderful pizza buffet and giant arcade. They have bumper cars and a carousel indoors, along with your classic games like skee-ball. So basically, it was a child's paradise. Anyway, we spent many a birthday parties and Saturday afternoons there. One time, I specifically remember driving home from Gaddy Town in the rain. We were about to turn onto the road that would take us back to small-town Kentucky because the Gaddy Town was a little bit of a drive from where we actually lived. On the corner, at the bus stop right outside a strip mall with Best Buy, a furniture store, Toys R Us, RIP, and a few other stores, stood something that still haunts me. There, in the rainy mist, stood a woman wearing a long skirt, wet at the bottom, and a giant raincoat with the hood hanging loosely over her head. She turned to face the direction of the car, and clear as day was a pale face devoid of features, surrounded by a head full of long brown hair. Looking at her, I felt all the blood drain from my face. I looked to my brother to see if he was witnessing the same thing I was. Does that lady have a face? He asked me in his thick little kid voice, with just a hint of a waver. Oh no, he saw it too. I shook my head. We promptly screamed to my parents about her, but there was nothing we could do. The light had turned green. We were on our way home. The woman with no face was never to be seen again. As I was explaining the story to my date, I wondered aloud, wonder if my brother remembers the woman. Why don't you ask him? So ask him, I did. My date said that the fewer details in the question, the better, for corroboration's sake. So I asked in my family group message, does anyone remember seeing a woman without a face? Immediately, my dad replies, I do, at a bus stop by Best Buy, on, insert the exact road name. The fact that my dad remembered was chilling to me. I thought it may have been something my brother and I made up with our childhood imaginations, but it had stuck with him over the years as well. Either because my brother and I believed it with so much conviction, or because he had also seen her blank, fleshy face just as we had. My brother also replied, yes. He is not a man of many words, but I texted him today, still without sharing the details of what I experienced, to ask him what he remembered. He texted back, She had no face but a hood and hair. She was sitting at the bus stop in front of where Toys R Us used to be. Same story, same details. I'm not sure where she came from, nor where she went on that bus she was presumably waiting for. I don't know if she was a real person. Balaclava or Clava? Balaclava. I don't know if she was a real person wearing a balaclava, a spirit haunting a bus stop, a rare single-use cryptid, or merely something my brother and I made up high on bellies full of pizza and not being able to see out of the blurry, rain-slick windows. But despite all of the questions, my brother, father, and I all have the same recollection of the woman with no face, and it is too much of a coincidence for my taste. I love you all and want to thank you for the time you take to read my submission, even if you don't choose to read it on the air. Sorry it's not a Bigfoot cryptid contact, Heather, but maybe a possible single-use cryptid contact will soften the blow. Ooh, well, Bigfoot is cozy and sweet, I think. He's a gentle lover. And this, <laughs> um, I mean, this the no-face woman was just chilling, but definitely disturbing if you're a child and not knowing, not being able to process what you've seen. I think the eeriest part is that 
you know, the parents, you want to try to like keep everybody calm in the car. And instead of his dad's silence meant he didn't see it and he was just moving on. His silence is like, oh, fuck, I don't know what that is. And I can't explain it. Nope, nothing to see here, kids. And then 20-something years later, mm-hmm. however long later, he's like, I remember I remember that day by the bus stop. Yeah, and that's, I mean, for a parent to remember something like that 20 years later, it made an impact on them. Even if you, it was just your kids telling you a story, obviously it stuck with you. I mean, that could have been like a story that was just like kids making stuff up and you forget about it the next day. But this stuck with him. For real. And mm-hmm. especially knowing the intersection, being able to list off the intersection, be like, oh, it's by Tories R Us. Man, that, I mean, it makes an impact too. Cause again, you're an adult, like, I can't explain that. So mm-hmm. we're just going to keep yeah. driving. Like, that's nah. a really interesting concept I hadn't thought about single use cryptids. Right. That does make sense. If it's just there for whatever reason, I just feel like the universe, there's so much going on that we don't know if it's, could be a UFO from a different timeline, multiverse. I don't understand quantum Could be a physics woman enough. that, uh, it might maybe that's a condition. Well, I mean, if there's, I would say if they said they had weird features, but if you got to breathe, so you know, I yeah, something. If there's nothing, if it literally is just like, I don't want to say like a volleyball, like Wilson, you know, where it's just flat. First of all, smooth. Wilson was not nothing. He <laughs> he was everything. I, I will cry. <laughs> but if they're looking through a blurry rain streaked window, you know, it might be a little hard. But yeah, I mean, the creepiest part is. Three people in that car all remember the same details. So there's something to be said for that. Ooh, freaky indeed. Well, this next one we have is from Jordan, and the subject line is My Haunted Apartment Building. Hello, ladies. I love you both and appreciate what you do. Please don't ever stop. Chrissy's in and out story is the hardest I've ever laughed at a podcast and lives rent-free in my head. Me too, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, Jordan. (laughs) Let's get into it. When I was in my mid-20s, I had a studio apartment in downtown Denver. The building used to be a care center for tuberculosis patients and was haunted as fuck. Two pretty creepy things happened while I lived there. At almost every single night, I would wake up in the middle of the night and the lights would be on. After a couple of months of this, I finally said out loud, Listen, whoever is turning the lights on needs to cut it out. I have a job and you can't keep waking me up in the middle of the night. You are welcome to be here, but we need to have a mutual respect for each other. Stop messing with my sleep. Well, it worked because that never happened again. Another time, I was upstairs in my apartment and my best friend, who rented a unit two floors down, texted me and said, I need you to come to my place right now. I was worried she was hurt, so I booked it down there. When I walked in, she was sitting on the bed in a towel, the color completely drained from her face. The bathroom door was closed, but she told me to open it and look at the mirror. When I opened the door, the mirror was still foggy from her shower, but in the fog, someone had written the words, 8 a.m. tomorrow. I could tell by the look on her face that she did not write that. She said it was there when she got out of the shower. I was pretty freaked out, but intrigued at the same time. I told her about my conversation with whoever was turning my lights on and proposed she do something similar. I turned, wiped the message off, turned the shower back on, and said out loud, What are you trying to tell us? I'm going to close the bathroom door and come back and check to see if you have another message. We left the bathroom door shut with the shower running for 10 minutes or so. And when we opened it again, there was a distinct handprint on the mirror. I am not kidding. We both almost peed our pants. We shut the shower off, closed the door, and left. 
I didn't know what message the ghost was trying to tell us with the handprint, but I told my friend that under no circumstances should she be in her apartment at 8 a.m. the next day. She agreed and promised to go to work early. Nothing remarkable happened at the apartment the next day, but it still gives me chills when I think about it. I have no idea what was going on at that place, but I always sort of felt like there was someone else in the room with me. I haven't had any other ghost experiences since then, but that was enough to make me confident ghosts exist. Thank you for being such amazingly funny, kind, and encouraging women. I missed the Denver show that you did, so please come back. I'll be front row to hype you up. Keep it creepy. This is something that is in horror movies. It might be a trope, but goddamn if it doesn't get me every time. Oh, and yeah. every time I get out of the shower, I got out of the shower yesterday. I look at the mirror. I'm like, mm-hmm. somebody write something? Somebody do anything? I had a psychic once tell me that my dad tried to communicate with me by writing something on a bathroom mirror, and I didn't see it. Oh, so now wow. I'm always looking for stuff. Yeah. Keep keeping your eyes peeled. I have a glass shower door, and so it keeps kind of all the steam in. And, <gasps> what, yeah, if it, what if you just saw, I... like, like a little, <laughs> it, some like, words started to be spelled out while you're in there? Oh, I hate it. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of things I worry about when I'm washing my hair. It's like, I hope a ghost doesn't. Or if I'm, like, I can see blurrily if I haven't mm-hmm. closed the bathroom door and it's cracked. I was like, what if I turn and I look and there's just somebody standing yeah, there? Yeah, I, <laughs> I freak myself I think out. that all the time. Yeah. Stupid. No, it's not stupid. It's... <laughs> I think all the time I'm like, what if I'm in the shower or somebody breaks in the house and kills me and that's how I'm found naked in the shower. (laughs) Just out. Yeah, Yeah. I think I have bigger problems if than how I was found, if that's what goes down. But yeah, this is um what it's like to uh be a woman, live with generalized anxiety disorder, and host a true crime podcast. Welcome to my head. Yeah, it gets up in there. Well, I I wonder if I don't know what eight a.m. tomorrow was, but if you're like, what's your next message in the handprint? I'm like, is it trying to push through the barrier? Because the ghost trying to come through. I was thinking it might be telling her, "Don't be here at eight a.m. tomorrow." Like, get out. Well, just because she they said nothing remarkable happened, but if she had been there, something may have happened. Ooh, that's true. I don't know. Maybe if she had. Been there at 8 a.m. and then left, something bad would have happened on the way to work or some, mm-hmm. something bad would have happened in the apartment. But since she left early, it didn't. So it's a friendly ghost. Maybe it was trying to give a high five. We don't know. Just <laughs> like, love you. High five. Yeah, maybe. Well, thank you very much, Jordan, for sending that in. And we do plan on coming back to Denver. So oh, yeah, I'm actually going to be in Denver in two weeks for a show at Red Rocks. And I am so fucking excited. And I am so fucking jealous. <laughs> Well, There's still tickets. Uh, come. You could come. You can come. Don't tell me that. Come to Red Rocks. Aye. Come. W- uh, oh, my God. You should come. I should. <laughs> I just invited myself on your no, trip. No, come. You and Paris should come. You're going <laughs> to Oklahoma right when we get back to go to Backstreet Boys. So you can just have a week of live music. And for those wondering, <laughs> I'm going to see The National, which is one of my favorite bands and my favorite band to see live. And it's been a bucket list to see them specifically at Red Rocks. And it's happening, and I was like, we're going. So It's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Red Rocks is definitely a bucket list mm-hmm. place. I'm very excited. Sure. I'm excited for cooler weather, too. Honestly. But, yes, we will be back to Denver. We're planning, planning future tours now. So we loved it the first time we came through and can't wait to see you all again. Thank you, Jordan. This next one is from Kayla, and the subject line is, That time I was on the same highway as the B.C. murderers. 
Hey guys, love you and your show, but I'll cut right to the chase. In July of 2019, my best friend, toddler, and I were traveling back up to northern Manitoba after singing our hearts out at a Backstreet Boys concert the night before. You are my fire. I prefer to be the driver for all road trips I'm on because I tend to get car sick if I'm not driving. So as we traveled on the eight hours back to our home, I didn't look at my phone much. We stopped at a gas station not too far from home because my bestie has to pee every five minutes. Not long after we got back en route, a small hatchback car was coming up behind us quickly. They passed us at an excessive speed, but slowed and maintained in front of us for a while. When they passed, I got a decent look at the passenger. Later that night, when I got home and finally looked at Facebook, I saw a bunch of friends had been sharing news coverage about Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski, the BC triple murderers. I realized when I saw the photos from the CCTV footage that Cam was definitely the man I saw on the highway. There's no mistaking the beard and mustache. I couldn't believe I was that close to murderers. Thankfully, we were home safe and nothing happened. And not too long after that, they were found dead in Gilliam MB. Anyway, that's my story. And since you all had covered the case, I thought you might enjoy it. Keep it creepy. We did cover this, and it was a very, very sad one. And these guys ended up both taking their own lives, I believe, on a small island after camping out for a while. But it sounds like uh, Kayla saw them after they had already committed the murders. Yeah, and kind of in the throes of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, while they were on their spree. That's very eerie. And, you know, it's one of those where they got, you know, they were found. But if they hadn't been found, you could at least tell police, you know, hey, we were on this road at Mm -hmm. this time and they happened to pass us and this was the car they were in. But if it was, you know, right alongside when they were found, that's that's definitely eerie that you're out there at the same time. That's one. That's another of the cases that I think sticks with me as well because of the CCTV footage of. Mm hmm. China and Lucas. Yes, the CCTV the CCTV footage of China and Lucas, and then also just because the uh, Leonard was just out. You know, it's all like you said; it's the same as the first story we talked mm-hmm. about. They were all just kind of out living life, like would never expect it. Um, and I think seeing the footage of that, something mm-hmm. of just before, it's very eerie. But uh, it's not the type of justice you want. You know when you would really like to see them, you know, put behind bars, mm-hmm. like answer for their crimes, uh, but they at least can't hurt anybody else. But that's yeah. definitely very eerie that, you know, they passed you so closely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Kayla, for sending that in. And our final one is from Alexandria. And the subject is, I was an escalation crime. Mid-March 2012, I arrived home after spring break in Florida. We drove there and back 16 hours each way and arrived back home around 6 a.m. Sunday morning. Bleary-eyed and exhausted, I changed my clothes. When I reached into my underwear drawer, it was empty. Weird. I didn't pack all of it, did I? At the time, I was too tired to think. I pulled a pair out of my luggage and passed out. Better rested and ready to get organized for school the next day, I reached for my laptop. It wasn't on my desk where I left it. My underwear wasn't in my luggage, nor the laundry, nor the washer-dryer. I asked my roommate if she had a party while I was gone. She said no. Did anyone come over? No. I frantically searched the house. I checked everywhere I could think, logical and illogical, like in our concrete, unfinished basement. It was nowhere. And then I saw the screen of our kitchen window was gone. Rewind. 
A few weeks earlier, I had locked myself out of the house and broke in via that exact window, pop the screen, shove the frame up, climb in. Back to now. I called the police. My laptop and my underwear were all that was missing from our entire home. Yet the path from the kitchen window to my bedroom goes through the kitchen, the living room, past my two roommates' bedrooms, and finally to mine. The burglar had to pass expensive gaming systems, a large HDTV, my roommates' computers, underwear, keyboard, an entire house worth of items to get to my bedroom and take my underwear and my laptop. Even more, my roommates both said they noticed nothing out of place in their rooms, as if the burglar didn't so much as rummage through them. The investigation went about as well as most burglary investigations go. There's not really a lot the police can do, except provide a report and collect any evidence if there is any. No one came out and dusted for prints. Nothing was taken from my home for analysis. Just lock the doors and have a record. Comforting. Weeks pass without a word or anything happening. I go about my life locking my bedroom door at night, installing blackout curtains on my windows, locking the doors whenever I'm home. In early April, about a week before my birthday, my roommate and I are watching the news when the story of a sexual assault case airs and the mugshot of the accused came on TV. My roommate recognizes the man, a student at our university, but it's not because they shared a class. It's because she walked in on him in our front entryway in August the year before. Rewind. In August 2011, my roommate moved in a couple weeks before me and our third roommate. She was coming home from a night with a friend when she walked up to our front door wide open, a man standing in our entryway looking through mail. He said he used to live there and was looking for his mail. She threatened to call the police, and he left. We reported the incident to our landlord who changed the locks upon request, which should have been done already, really. Back to now. I called the police again. It stood to reason that a man who previously lived in the house would know his way around the house. It stood to reason that a man who raped someone less than two weeks after we were burgled, my underwear and laptop stolen, and who had previously broken into our home would be the culprit. It stood to reason that this man may have been watching me when I locked myself out and broke in, may have been watching me for a long time, maybe since August, gathering the courage to fulfill his fantasies and may have been watching only me and my roommates because only my things were taken, despite his journey through or past every other room in the house. It stood to reason that this man was encouraged by his apparent success in fulfilling one fantasy, the violation of our home and my things, that he felt emboldened to pursue another, more sinister fantasy. The links above give a better summary, and my part in it is thankfully reduced to a small sentence. Quote, Later charges filed against Tang included burglarizing his old residence before the alleged assault, stealing a laptop, and women's underwear. Whereas the sexual assault victim suffered a nightmare, including media coverage and later intimidation from the assailant and his family. My experience after calling the police was short, thank God. My roommate and I wrote sworn statements for the detectives, and I met with them to identify my things. They asked me if I wanted to keep the underwear. I told them to burn it. I took back my laptop. That sucker was too grand. I couldn't afford not to. But he had somehow made his own account on it. I called Apple support in tears to get the damn thing off, and they were really kind and even helped me fix mechanical issues at no charge well outside of the warranty. I cleaned the thing with bleach water and got a cover so I'd never have to touch the shell with my bare hands again. A year later, the man was sentenced about the same time I graduated college with two majors and three minors. I could have been the next crime rather than the escalation. I am so thankful I wasn't, and so sad she was. 
Her name has remained anonymous in news articles. Though I wasn't physically assaulted, it feels weird to say I'm a survivor, but I am, and I thrived too. P.S. I was the babe in Portland 2021 who had the wild dating story grievance. Haha. Ha. Hope you're both doing well. Like we were just saying about one of our worst nightmares as women is coming home and somebody's either in your house or they've been in your house and something as specific as stealing underwear and a laptop, your mind immediately goes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, and she sent two articles and it definitely... Uh, like she said, she's a survivor. Absolutely, you're a survivor. Don't diminish what happened to you, Alexandria. That I mean, you already see even just, you know, the police come, they take the report. And after that, you're like, I have to lock my bedroom door. Mm-hmm. I have to look over my shoulder. I have to. I mean, someone has violated you and taken. It's not to the, the extent to which he violated the other woman that for which he was arrested. But I think don't diminish what happened to you. But the articles that she sent were uh pretty. Uh, it, what he did to the, the other survivor was pretty pretty upsetting he afterwards his family it looked like in one of the instances tried to like what alexandria said tried to intimidate the survivor and said you know don't speak out he was um trying to claim he didn't understand because english was not his first language um but i think there was some just some confusion on what mirandizing and things like that but regardless um he was caught and is off the streets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, And yes, those locks absolutely should have been changed. That's not something you should have to ask for. Your landlord should just do that. If you come home and somebody's just in your house going through your mail, I mean, that makes no sense. That's a huge red flag. So I'm, they, I'm glad that the cop, they, they did all the right things. They did everything they they should have done. Um, And it's very sad that, there was multiple survivors from this. Yeah. And I think, especially like you said, the landlord's like, I'll come and change the locks. That maybe that's step one after some of That's what I'm is, saying. Like, yeah, you like, shouldn't have to ask for that to be done. That's no. like protocol for when just like somebody new moves in. Yeah. That's like you, I would assume that, you know what I mean? Like you just assume you're like mm-hmm. good to go, which I didn't even think about that when I moved in here in, in my house. And I was like, Oh, well, that's great. They gave me the keys to the house. And my cousin, who's very sweet and was like, do you know how to change locks? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. And he said, I'm coming over. And I, and he went to Home Depot and got locks and was very, that was like my oh, housewoman nice. gift. He went around and changed all the locks in my house. I was like, all right, skillful that you know how to do that. <laughs> but I, it was just like, I took for granted, like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. Like, it's mine now. I have possession of this. Like, it's totally fine. But that's very eerie, especially when the person that lived there before you was, a predator, mm-hmm. which this person absolutely was. Mm-hmm. He, and it, he had pled guilty in an Alford plea, which you do if there's immigration implications where you want to plead guilty. You agree that there's enough, su- there's sufficient evidence for a jury to find you guilty, but you aren't taking culpability for mm-hmm. your actions. So that's disappointing that he didn't just admit what he did because he definitely did it. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, those things can go either way. We've seen cases with the Alford plea where. People that were wrongfully convicted just eventually say, I'll agree to this so I can get out of prison. But in Mm -hmm. this case, he obviously did do it and he still kind of got a more lenient sentence. So thank you so much for sending that in. We're so glad that um, you weren't hurt any more than than you were. But that is very traumatizing. And people do suffer from those types of things, you know, PTSD and if you if your whole 
routine and life is changing because you're scared of something that's very um it impacts you emotionally physically all all sorts of stuff so you Mm -hmm. definitely are a survivor and Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for everybody else sharing your story. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinister sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini so This month we're talking about the controversial TikTok creators Bebop and BB, and a patron exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, What It Drama, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. The next one will be on the 30th at 8 p.m. Central, and then our live stream is the following night on the 31st, same time. We're going to have closeout August, hanging out in the studio, streaming. Mm -hmm. I bought a new studio decoration. I'm going to debut it on the live stream. There's also a new studio decoration that is, that is not new, but no one has seen it yet. I'm staring at it right now as I look at Heather and just get ready. It's it's big, it's impressive, and uh, everyone's going to love it. Paris just walked in. He goes, where did that come from? I said, it was buried in the closet and I unearthed it because we were talking about it at Leanne's birthday. And he's like, all right. <laughs> I was like, we need to. I need to knock the wall down between my office and the studio, and just p- move the Blues Brothers in here, and just make this like a mega uh, like storage space for all oh, the weird God. skeleton, the Blues Brothers statues. That- <laughs> it's, uh, I'll have it's to. I'll house. have to decide if I'm going to come over anymore. <laughs> if those Blues Brothers, because those they give me they give me the heebie-jeebies. I don't pretty love big. them. They're pretty big. <laughs> Uh, well, that's the 30th and 31st, so tune in on Crowdcast. <laughs> For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option of paying pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available, and when you select this option, you are rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com, click shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We have a TikTok. We have a YouTube. Christy, where are you out on the internet? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
sin 